0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the shop notes podcast today is episode number 51 i'm your host phil huber i'm joined by john and logan the usual suspects on today's episode we're going to talk about the tool that woodworkers love to discuss most your workbench both logan and i are looking to build new ones in the new year so it's new year's day a new round of podcasts and hopefully some new resolutions and ideas for your shop. So stick around for today's episode.
1: This episode of the shop notes podcast is brought to you by woodsmith magazine. Woodsmith magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years from tips and techniques to furniture projects, to shop projects. You'll find it all at woodsmith magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. Well, crap, now I have to build one this year.
0: said we're thinking about it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Think about all the other
1: things. Leaked.
0: All the other things that you've said that in the past that you were going to do and you never did. So
1: That's true. Have mm-hmm. you been talking to my wife? <laughs> you know, if 2021 is anything like 2020 was, I'm going to have plenty of time to work right. on a
0: workbench. Mm-hmm. Now John's not in this. John's not in this situation because, at various company auctions, he's purchased fourteen different benches.
2: So yeah, I have the market on workbenches. Yeah. So if you're looking for a workbench, I can cut you a deal. (laughs) (laughs) He knows the guy. To be fair,
0: full disclosure. Neither your workbench, Logan, nor mine is not is dysfunctional or no poor. They both are adequate, well-built
1: shop tools. But they both have one
0: fatal flaw. They have the same
1: (laughs) fatal flaw.
0: Right right and that is the open base oh,
1: stupidest thing ever that's right all you rubo ro- people
2: stupid <laughs> <laughs> who did you offend last podcast it was the oh. or somebody did was i offend somebody last podcast or was it phil I... phil had some gripes about Oh, oh, split, split fences route of, on a router table. Yes. people.
1: Yeah. Say, I say, no, my, my last offense that I made was offending people with my fur. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was that. Yeah. I mean, no, no. It, I, I think, like you said, Phil, my workbench is functional. I use it all the time. Right. I built it probably seven or eight years ago. And the open base is like my Achilles heel. It just is dumb. Yeah. And, and by open base, I mean, my bench has four legs, it has a shelf underneath, and the shelf is a flat space. That
0: stuff gets stacked. Right. Cause and it's stupid. nice to be able to have some <clears throat> accessories or tools or whatever close by. When you're working yes. at your bench, so it's stuff that you frequently use. You know, like I have a couple of stops, you know, like bench stops that fit in dog holes under there, mm-hmm. uh, a small little miter box for a, a pull saw, um, a tote for my sanding supplies, you know, various calls and things like that for gluing up stuff. It's all things that I use by the bench and grab mm-hmm. frequently. But you know, and I guess the funny part is, is whenever you see and I, you know, we're guilty of it too, is you see photos of a workbench in a magazine or on the Instagrams or something. And it's usually somebody planing a board. And there's like three or four shavings casually curated on the floor and on the bench and otherwise for a photo, and otherwise it's this pristine, great use of negative space area. When in reality, the space below my workbench is, looks like a guinea pig cage exploded in there. Yes, because you don't,
1: like you don't ever take a plane or it's very rare that you grab a hand plane and you make three shavings (laughs) right (laughs) right like three passes of a board it creates a lot of shavings yeah right and i i would like to say that the stuff that's under my bench right now is just a ballast to hold my bench down and looking at it you would think oh that's just ballast under there because it's piled full of crap that he doesn't need under there. And that's completely true. So at one point I did have all these planes that are back behind me, if you guys are watching on YouTube, right. those were all under my bench. Um, and I got sick of them being buried in shavings. So I moved them and now under my bench, uh, it's just crap like jigs and templates. Um, I have a router under there and a, a belt sander. And so it's just, I feel like there is much room for improvement under my bench. Right. Um, now I am gonna change a couple other things about my bench, but is I mean, what's, what's your gripe with your bench, Phil?
0: Well, I, I guess part of my gripe is the clamor shot that you see with benches where, you know, most of the bench surface is empty usually a hand plane on it because apparently we can't get away from that. Um, but I am I use hand planes quite a bit, but I'm also using other things, carving tools, hand saws, routers, uh, drills, uh, my biscuit joiner, and all of those create debris of one sort or another. And in the natural motion of woodworking, that all just kind of gets sucked underneath that open bench space. And I just don't like having that look like it's a disaster all the time. And the other thing that I don't like about it is so I have lower stretchers on my base and I think I have a video on our YouTube channel of my workbench that that I did kind of a tour of it. Um, The stretchers The lower stretchers on the base are I don't know four to six inches above the floor and so when you're working and there's a bunch of shavings around naturally you're going to kick some of those shavings under the bench and the underside of that base granted nobody really sees it is just again just kind of a mouse nest of shavings and chips and dust and spider webs. I mean, it looks like Mirkwood forest under there. Um, And I, and I don't like that because my garage is in unconditioned space right now. So I just don't want to create a home for vermin. Sure. Uh, I've seen mice in the garage before. I mean, it just is kind of natural, but but I don't want to create a home for them and I just want to
1: go ahead. I was like, do you guys remember me sending you guys a picture on teams when I was vacuuming out from underneath my bench and I sucked out a piece of raccoon pelt that I had like tanned at one point <laughs> and it scared the crap out of me. Cause I'm like under there with my Dyson vacuum sucking out wood chips and all of a sudden fur comes out and I could not, I was like, what is this? And that was my first thought. I was like, oh my God, the critter crawled under my bench. It's in my house. I don't know how that happened. And then I realized it was like a piece of helts that I had for flying or tying flies and stuff, but yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, it's basically the same gripe I have. Right? Is yeah. it sucks because stuff just gets piled. Yeah. Now, have you, have you ever or over your time using that bench? How long have you had that bench?
0: Uh, I think when I did the video, I looked it up. But it's got to be close to ten years.
1: Okay. So Plus over 10. those ten years, have you? come across things that you don't like about the bench other than that like work holding or any of that stuff or things you do like about it
0: yeah uh i overall i like the size of it okay i was originally going for something about three foot by six foot because we had a bench the one of the the two main benches in our in the magazine shop uh are like almost eight by three and change or something like that. Sure. And I at first I thought I liked that wider, deeper, I guess, Mm -hmm. the depth of it. And I do. It's nice because when I'm working, I have plenty of space to put large assemblies or panels when I'm working on it. Sure. Uh, So the overall size I like. Uh, When I built it, I was kind of going for a hybrid Top construction. Okay. So, so the the main body of the bench top is MDF because okay. at the time I was in full thriftiness mode sure. of using using all the MDF scraps that we had. So, and also knowing that on a workbench, most of the heavy work takes place in that first twelve inches or so. Hmm. So if you look at the underneath of my bench top, the first, I don't know, like 10, 12 inches is I think four layers of MDF solid. And then that four layers continues as like edging around the ends and then the back edge. On the back left two thirds of the bench is only a single layer of MDF thick. And that's because I had been using in the magazine shop where the editor shop was, we had a Festool MFT table for a long time. And I kind of like those MFT clamps that Festool has where they just kind of hook into the top and then you can clamp something down on top of it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to incorporate that versatility into my workbench. So the front edge is thick for... Heavy duty planing and pounding and stuff. The back edge has these open, thinner sections where I can use those MFT clamps on. Um, I originally designed the bench with a kind of a homebrew twin screw vise on the okay. right hand side, being a lefty, um, that I was thinking that I would, you know, to, for dovetailing or whatever. I don't do a lot of hand dovetailing and a twin screw vise at least the way that I made it doesn't hold boards on edge very well along board because what happens is the bench jaw or the vise jaw kind of cocks down you know so you get kind of an sure. unequal grip on it yeah almost like you I, need shims on the bottom edge of the right. jaw and yeah. at least in the way that I did it, because I used some uh, veneer press screws. as Gotcha, the, okay. Yep. So. yep. so anyway, so where those sections are on that um, twin screw vise, I put two dog holes so that I could, you know, clamp something mm-hmm. to the surface with bench dogs. So I have two thicker sections that line up with those bench dogs. Um, now I have a couple of holdfasts, like I have the one of the Gramercy holdfasts sure. that you pound in. Yeah. And then I also have one of Veritas's threaded knob hold down, I guess, but works on the same yeah. principle. Hammerless holdfast, maybe that's the right word. Um, so I really like using those. Um, and then the house that we were living in at the time, to make a long story even longer, uh, was built in the twenties and up in the attic, I found some two by fours from when the house was built and it's like old growth, Southern yellow pine, I believe, um, really cool grain on it. So that's what I edged the bench with and did half blind dovetails on the end caps gotcha. and on the yep. front and the dovetails aren't perfect, but it was always fun for me to be able to see that on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like that look to it. Uh, but somehow because i built the bench top over time like over my lunch hours at work you know i'd glue up mm-hmm. sections and then you know clamp them with screws as it, the glue was drying i don't know because it's mdf if over time the top has sagged a little bit cuz there is a there is some deflection longitudinally sure. if that's happened because it's mdf or in the process of gluing up the top, did I essentially do a bent lamination? Ah, yeah, glued True. in yep. deflection to it. I don't know. I don't know how I could figure that out. You know, it's so the top is so thick and relatively rigid. It's not like I could put a you know an intermediate post in there to raise it back up. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's MDF, and I know, and I've planed MDF and plywood before but i just don't know that it's worth it to try and flatten it with hand tools. Yeah.
2: Well, John, you have an MDF top on yours, right? Yeah, it's basically the same workbench that you guys use in the shop here, the your editors bench or whatever. Yeah. And it's have you, have you I've, I've noticed had it a pretty like 10 years and i haven't noticed any deflection and it's the same as what uh, Phil has kind of described where it's four layers, you know around the main yeah. edges and then open or two layers in the, in the middle part of the bench. And I haven't noticed any deflection. I don't know that like maybe the, the two by edging has helped support a little bit and it's well supported by the frame. So I haven't noticed any deflection or sagging at any point. So yeah, I don't know. it's hard to say. I mean, MDF over time has been known to sag or whatnot, but yeah. I've been pretty happy with, the performance of mind, and as i mean i was being thrifty at the time too and just building it out of mdf because it's like oh if i tear this up or get sick of this it's not that big of an investment so you know seemed like a wise choice to to sure. to to use mdf but i mean it's held up and it's you know pretty much like new i've had to you know add some finish on it here and there as it's gotten dried out or yeah worn, worn down a little bit, but still performing like it did 10 years ago. So, you know, and the thing I like about
0: MDF is that it's really smooth. And I mean, Mm -hmm. if you glue it up flat, it's flat. So those are all big pluses for a bench, you know, that it's not something that's going to undergo a lot of seasonal movement, like a solid wood top could. Sure. So what what about your bench?
1: Well, so mine is um, when I built my bench, I built it um, kind of on the thrifty side as much as I could. Um, the top itself is a bowling alley lane, okay? it I mean, so much so that it still has the lane markers in the left-hand side of the bench top, actually in the center too. It um, has the little plastic lane markers in it. And I, I bought it because... So this was... This was at the very beginning of not not at the very beginning of my woodworking. I started woodworking when I was in high school, but like this was my first house, um, my first time I had my own shop. So it was like my first like I have room for my own bench now, uh, and I had some MDF ones. Um, actually, no, I take that back. My first bench that I built um, was just a two by four frame, uh, and then we had pulled we'd replace the countertops in our house and I had like a seven foot section of countertop that I was using and it worked fine. Um, you know, but as I started to get back into woodworking more and more seriously and picking up hand tools, I started reading books and I don't know, Chris Schwarz was on his, you know, kick of, uh, workbenches built in the 17th century on April 23rd by the Shaker colony in wherever, you know, I mean, just one of those, one of those kicks, um, on a fo- on a certain bench. So I started reading and I was like, okay, so I had an idea of what I wanted and I knew my bench top needed to be thick. It needed to be heavy. Uh, and I found a guy here in town that had a bunch of bowling alley lanes and I'm like, okay, that's hard maple. Uh, that makes a good bench top from what I read, I'm gonna go get it. So I went and got it. It's, uh, so first of all, my bench is little over seven foot long. Uh, It's in between seven and eight feet. It is three and a half feet deep. Um, And the top itself, I just measured those. So my aprons around the top are four and a half inches thick. The center section of my bench where the actual bowling alley is, uh, the bowling alley, if I remember right, was three inches. Nope, it would be two and a half inches, okay. But what I did not realize about a bowling alley, and this is why whenever somebody asks me about bowling alleys, and it always comes up because bowling alleys always are getting tore out and replaced stuff and people save the lanes. And a lot of times people ask, oh, is that going to make a good bench top? I mean, yeah, it's hard maple. But every row of a bowling alley lane is held together with twist nails. So each lane or each row is nailed to the two rows next to it. Cause the nails go, the nails are like four inches long. They go through at least three layers, maybe four. And they're twist nails. They are hard as hard could be. Um, and I, I started pulling out some of the nails, and I realized this is dumb. Like this is gonna take me years. Like I can just go mow my neighbor's yards and buy the lumber, you know, like, like get enough <laughs> money to buy the hard maple instead of doing this stupid crap. So, um, what I ended up doing is I ended up just pulling the nails out of probably, oh, I'm going to say eight rows and then I glued those back together. And that's where my bench dogs are. Okay. My bench dog holes. Cause I didn't want to drill through them. Right. Um, but uh, part of that is the, the, the bowling lanes aren't glued together. Now uh, they're just nailed together. That's it. Uh, and there's like a wide tongue. and groove on the faces of them. Um, so kind of think of like Lego type construction. Sure but they sag because they're nailed together they just sag um i think they must put these directly over some form of substrate that's flat sure um so what i ended up doing for this bench top is the bowling alley lane then two layers of like um bcx plywood uh it, it's it's whatever cheap plywood they had at menards and I glued and screwed two layers of that to the bottom side of the bench um now yeah that does limit the the expansion and contraction of the bench but I've never had any issues with it, it stayed flat it's the, it has stayed as flat as flat it could be and sure. one other thing I did is I did route a I routed a gr- uh, dado on the bottom side before I put the plywood on and I have uh some three and a half foot all thread in there with nuts and bolts or uh, nuts and washers on the ends to kind of squeeze those layers together before I glued them onto the plywood. Oh, yeah. And then I edged everything in some, um, oh, this is spalted box elder um, around the for my edging all around. Now, I do have a leg vise. I do have a tail vise, a wagon. I guess you, that would be considered a wagon vise, right? Yeah um and then the the base itself is made out of some really really thick uh i did a good job on the base if i do say so myself um knowing what my skills were back then so mortise and tenon on the base and they are like seven inch yeah seven inch square well legs yeah oh they're huge like i way over way overdid it on those um but I don't, think my ben- I don't think my bench top, I'm sitting here with my knees under the bench top. I don't think it's actually attached to the base. I can lift it up a little bit, but it's so heavy. It never moves. Yeah. Um, and a couple of things I like about the bench is I do like how the hard maple is flat and it hasn't moved at all. Um, I like the height that it's at because that's another big thing that people always ask. Oh, what? what how high should I make a bench? And if you go into our, our shop you'll see some high benches. Like oh, yeah. Chris's bench is very high. It's too high for me to
0: work at. Even the one, that, the one in our editor's area is 36 yeah. inches, so.
1: Yeah, which is super high. And I think this one, uh, let's see what this one's at. This one is at 30, 33, 33 and a quarter, something like that. So, you know, it, it's perfect height for me. Um, the things I don't like about it is I don't like the size. I actually would like it to be a little smaller because it's very rare that I use the entire bench. And if I do use the entire bench, I wish the bench was bigger. Mm. If that, I mean, I would logically, obviously, yeah. uh, but most 99% of what I do, I could get away with a six foot bench and I, it would give me another foot and a half of room in here, which would be really nice.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, it doesn't need to be the 40 inches deep that it is. Um, I would think I would be much better off with like a 32, 30, 32, something like that. Yeah. Um, and aside from that, I don't like the shelf underneath as we've discussed. So uh, I guess, you know, as I'm considering building a bench, I'm looking at a couple different designs. First of all, yeah, obviously, first thing I need to address is the shelf underneath. Okay. That sucks. It's stupid. Um, so obviously cabinets are the first thing or drawers okay so it will have some form of storage underneath It'll some form of drawers um I, the one chris uses and anybody that hasn't seen chris's workbench uh, go to uh, the woodsmith facebook page and take a look at some of the Friday live videos we've done. Now you'll see Chris's bench in there. Yeah. It is, I think we consider it, do we consider do we call it a shaker bench? Yeah, there we go, classic cabinet base workbench. Phil's holding it up if you guys are watching on YouTube. I really like that drawer system that's on yeah. there. There is a series of like five drawers, six drawers on each side, and then a set of double doors in the center. Um, I like that style. Uh, the work holding options on that are a tail vise and a face vice. Right. Uh, which is what we put on it. Um, I will say I do have, I have one of the bench crafted leg vice hardware kits. So I will put a leg vice on whatever bench I end up building. And I think I will also put a tail vice. Um, I'm very anti tool well, because I think they just, we had one on that little Scheuberg's bench we had. Right in the editor shop before. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh and it was sucked. Cause it another place for shavings just to catch. Yeah. Right? It'd be better if there was just a hole in the center and all the shavings just fell into a garbage bag attached to the bench. Um so I'm anti-tool well. Uh I I'm kind of so basically what I'm getting at is I'm either leaning at that cabinet-based bench that Chris has, because I really like that style. Might change the size because it's a, it is a very it's a large big bench. bench yeah yep um or the shaker style workbench plans from benchcrafted oh yeah um i really like that look uh it incorporates the the work holding that i want which is a leg vise and a tail vise. um and the the base itself is kind of cool because it's made out of plywood uh it's plywood base and they're painted like cabinets basically yeah yeah which I think is kind of cool, um, yeah. and I would be, I would be completely down for that. I, I would like, and we don't have one around. Um, I would like to try like a Scandinavian style bench. Um, like with I the, know, uh, with the, like big shoulder
0: vise on it. You mean or?
1: Yes, yes. I would just like to try one. Uh, I know. Um, what was it Frank Klaus? Mm-hmm. Uh, he has one. That he uses, um, and I just would like to try it. I don't know that I necessarily want to to use that or, or make that my bench, um, but yeah, those are those are kind of the two I'm I'm leaning towards, um, you know. And
0: what the, would you do for a top?
1: Well, and that was that's what I was going to say. The the thing I like about the the shaker style bench from Benchcrafted is that the base is plywood, so really I only need to source wood for the top. Now. I don't know if you guys have heard, but I have a sawmill. So I have a lot of wood. <laughs> Not to brag. I know, right? <laughs> um, so I have a lot of ash, and I think ash would make a pretty decent top. And I have enough ash that I have, I could probably have the entire top be quarters on, hmm. which I think would work really well. Um, I also have some soft maple, um, some curly soft maple. So I don't really want to turn that into the bench top, but, I, I think beach, honestly, beach is so inexpensive at, um, so most of, uh, the lumber we buy for the magazine comes from Liberty hardwood here in Des Moines, uh, or the woodsmith store. Um, but I priced some beach at Liberty hardwood and it was, it was like cheaper than ash. It was like the cheapest hardwood you could buy from mm. them. And I want to say it was like the eight quarter stock was like two something a board foot. Like it was dirt cheap. So if, if I'm just buying the material for a bench top, um, let me just do the math here. Uh, so like, a, let's call it a three and a half inch bench top by 32 inches by 72 inches. Uh, that's 55 board feet, 56 board feet. So call it 65, right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's not that big of an investment to make a bench top. You know, if, if you consider the fact that buying the lumber kit for like a rubo style is several thousand dollars you know so i don't know Uh, it's just something that i've been considering i mean do you have any any notion of what your plans
0: are with yours uh i'm pretty torn because part of me and we were talking about this before we started the show is you know part i built that my bench right now, kind of hoping it would be my forever bench, so to speak. Um, But I don't know that that's a realistic thing for to tell a woodworker. You know, like you want to build your bench well, but don't get attached to it because your needs, shop space, blah, 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 might change over time. Yeah. So, and I'm still a pretty thrifty person So part of me wants to see if there's a way that I take the top that I already have and rescue it, so to speak. Um, But then it's like, now I gotta figure out its flatness issue. Sure. How would I flatten it? Um, Would I just glue on more MDF to the thin parts at the back? Uh, if I do the cabinet base bench, which I would like to do, the cabinet base, that would put my bench, where my bench dog holes currently are, too far back. So now I have to fill all those bench dog holes and then re drill them. But then I know when I glued up the bench, I used screws in there sometime. I don't really want to drill into a bunch of wood screws. Um, yeah. So I I I, I talk I, myself yeah. into fixing it and using what I have because I really like that reclaimed lumber around the side or do I just, you know, cut that off with a circular saw and reuse it somewhere else on the on a new bench or you know, otherwise I take it over to your place Logan and we just bonfire the Valkyries and That's right. light that baby <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um, So I do have a wood, uh, it's called a nail biter drill bit in case you do need it. Cause I, (laughs) same thing when, when I was drilling bench dog or not dog holes, but I was actually drilling hold fast holes in my bench. I only, I only took the, the screws out of the, or the nails out of the first, what, seven or eight inches. Like I said, Oh yeah, so i know like, i know i'm gonna run into screws so i spent 20 dollars on a like a nail it's called like a, it's an it's Irwin nail biter or something like that
0: and it does it eats through metal so if you do zero oh. drill, drill into them let me know because I yeah. i got it and when i drilled the bench dog holes originally i think i used a combination of like a three-quarter inch forstner and a spade bit and you know uh uh i i think i had recently acquired a brace so i was trying to you know, do it that way and a couple of hand drills that we had in the shop that just didn't have the muscle to get through it. Yeah. So my bench dog holes, if you were to put long bench dogs in them, they're all yeah. angled all over so, the place and wallowed out. And, yeah.
1: So now that that becomes a question that I wanted to ask. Um, do you guys, I know, John, you don't do a ton of hand work. That doesn't mean you don't use bench dogs occasionally. Do you prefer square or round bench dogs?
2: I don't know that I necessarily prefer them, but like round bench dogs are easier to add to a top. um, Yeah. You know, after the fact, there's, you know, when you're doing the square ones, it's just a lot of planning up front. So, I don't Maybe just from a lazy aspect, go with the round. Okay never had a problem with them
0: uh, i prefer the round i like the look of the square ones but again i just don't like that's a you got to know what you're doing with it plus i like being able to you know because i have those that hold fast and the hold down Mm -hmm. like being able to just drop those in to the bench dog holes to secure a workpiece you know if i'm working on something wide you know or to hold down a A straight edge for doing dados on a router with a router or something like that so i would i would say that i like the round ones better
1: okay so i have i have round ones on my bench right now and i don't like them Hmm. i i like the fact that i can rotate them meaning i can hold like odd shaped parts pretty easily because you do have the option to rotate them however uh, I feel like they're very, I have the Lee Valley brass ones. They're very hard to get to go up and down in my bench top. And I don't know if it's just because my bench top is so thick. Um, or if my holes are slightly undersized that I just, they're very hard to get to go up and down. And I hmm. do have, um, uh, the way my, le- my legs sit, um, Two of my bench dog holes are right over the legs, so I have like the little wonder pups that pop up and down, you know, uh, and they yeah. work okay. Um, that's the one thing I actually was gonna say when I built my bench, and I, li- I like this feature, and this is something I might try to to keep in a new bench. Uh, the front apron is flush with the front legs, right? Because right? my leg vice is is flush with my obviously my leg vise going through the leg of the bench is flush with the front of the apron. On the back, I did a overhang um, and I did a six and a half inch overhang. And I did that just so when I had this in my garage, uh, at my old house, I could push it all the way up against the wall and it would straddle the foundation and the trim in the garage. mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you could still push it up against the wall without the legs being flush front and back. Because I think most like Rubo style ones, the legs are flush all the way around. All the way around. So you wouldn't be able to actually push it up against the wall if you have that, you know, four or five inches of foundation that sticks out past your wall. So that's a feature that I would also want to keep in. Um, So I guess with that in mind phil are you planning on if you do make a new top do you have a preference for a hardwood over a softwood Cause I know this is, this is something that a lot of people argue. It's like, you no, know, your bench top needs to be really hard. And then there's people that argue the opposite that say, Hey, your bench top should actually be softer than the material you usually work with. That way, if you, if you drop apart your bench dings and not your not work your piece. Part.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't really have a preference on it. I don't okay. know that I would do, you know, like basswood or something like that, but sure. Uh, I would be game for, you know, like we have a couple of tops. Of benches that we've done where it's been Douglas fir. Now we've yep. used uh, vertical grain fur that costs 50 quadzillion dollars, and I don't know yep. that I would do that. But I would be all right with doing a fir top of construction lumber
1: or white fur that a uh, coworker that the sawmill already Right? Can. Yeah, and I would actually yes, consider that. that other than you know the weight
0: of it, you know, like this yeah. bench top that we've been discussing or the bench that we've been discussing from shop Mm -hmm. notes um for the youtube folk um the front part of the bench is really thick where the dogs are but then the back i don't know almost three quarter is only one inch thick boards on edge and then there's a pretty beefy rear apron assembly on it so i kind of like that in the I've been drawn to that style. I think Mike Dunbar in an old fine woodworking did a bench where it was similar to that, where it was a real thick front section of the bench. And I think some of the shaker benches are like that where it's thinner at Mm -hmm. the back. I don't know that I would go one inch Cause I think Chris says that it feels a little springy back there. Sometimes
1: I've, I've heard him say that, although to be fair, Chris throws most of his tools, so I could see where that trampoline effect would come
0: in. Right. Yeah. So, but I could see doing inch and a half material back there, eight quarter, you know, if it got up to like inch and three quarter or something, cause then I think that would allow my hold fasts to
1: engage. Cause I, yeah, they, because you do, you do need a couple inches for the hold fast to grab or yeah. else it just won't, it won't friction fit in there. Yeah. And I, or cam, it, I guess.
0: Right. And it, and it doesn't do that on mine where the, that thinner section is. So I would be sure. open to that. I don't know that I want, I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. I would even do, you know, John suggested an MDF top again. I'm not entirely opposed to that because I've seen saw seen how some of ours have fared with that
1: and it's funny because people always ask that they're always like oh my god that has a MDF top on it like how is it not swollen and yeah. it's like no it really doesn't I mean unless you spill water on it and don't wipe it up you <laughs> slob
2: you know yeah yeah. just keep uh, water directly off of it and make sure yeah. to yeah. put some sort of wood edging because it's got brittle edges brittle, or corners yeah. Or, but yeah like but your bench that, John
0: like mine is in a you know, your garage is pretty well right. unconditioned mm-hmm. and you've had your bench for a while and I've had mine and I don't really have finish on mine.
2: No. I just um, have used um, general finishes seal a cell on yeah. it, put a couple coats and if it, you know, dries out or I need to clean it up a little bit, sand it and, you know, add a couple more coats and, you know, just keep that on it so glue and stuff doesn't stick to it. But that's the only real finish that i put on it. Yeah. So. So but yeah, we have a couple of tops in the shop that are MDF that, you know, I think were built probably twenty plus years ago, and yeah. they might have a urethane top or or finish on it. Yeah, it's you know held up fine. So
0: yeah, it's not like they're all dinged up or pockmarked or something like that. That's. Mm-hmm.
1: So here's the question for you guys. Now with the MDF top can't really do this but i have seen in the past where a lot of people will hit their bench top of a hardwood top or a solid wood top i guess with a toothing plane do you guys yeah. have
0: any opinions on that the idea is to make it you know that a toothing blade is serrated finely yep and so if you go across with that then the idea is that it's a little grippier for a workpiece i don't mm-hmm. I've never really found that to be a problem that I feel like okay. I need to have it toothed or I like having okay. it relatively smooth. Cause to me, it's a little easier to get glue drips off of or sure
1: or whatever. So I was, I was just trying to look and see cause I, I seen it on a video, <clears throat> excuse me, somebody had been um, doing it. They, they had a website that they're touring a bunch of woodworker shops and, and one guy, I don't remember who it was. He had a, he had a big bench. Like it was like a seven foot by seven foot bench where he had a different vice on each corner. Oh yeah. So yeah as yeah. he's working, he can walk around and basically, you know, each vice has a different purpose, but he would every couple months he would retooth his top. So that's how he took glue drips off. That's how he, and he said, he's like, look, I can nearly plane without putting a stop on it because it adds enough grip to my bench that it holds my work pieces. Um, so it's always kind of interest me. Uh, I've had my two toothing plan that I have is very, very fine. So it doesn't do much on this hard maple. Um, but it's always interested me to, to maybe try it and see, uh, see what would happen, I guess. You know, see if I would notice a difference. Now, this is assuming that you keep your bench top flat, obviously. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now on that note, uh, are you guys, uh, I guess with MDF, you guys have to finish. But for a hardwood top, are you guys finishers or non-finishers? Because there's a lot of people that question, should I put a finish on my workbench? What should I put on my workbench? What's the most durable? What should I do with it?
2: I'm not um, really for putting a like film finish on a workbench just because it chips up and it's harder to sure. to reapply finish. And it's just really not necessary for the most part. So maybe like an oil finish or something, yeah. just keep the glue from sticking to it and just... Like a linseed oil, oil or a yeah. Danish oil or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, like you have on yours, right. the seal a cell will build into a film finish,
2: mm-hmm. but mm-hmm.
0: just like one or two coats, mostly just soak in and right. seal Especially it. Especially MDF. Yeah. And see my bench is MDF and I was going to, and I had actually even mixed up a batch of uh linseed oil wax and turpentine yeah. I was going to use that uh and just never got around to it and for the most part hasn't been that big of a deal but I will say that sometimes I'll get a glue drip on there and when I go to scrape it off it will pull out a little divot Fiber. of the mdf yep. and sure that's not cool yeah See, I've
1: always meant to do a linseed oil finish, uh, but I'm now more of the motor oil, paint, linseed oil, and <laughs> graphite and sharpie <laughs> finish is kind of what I'm at now. Yeah. I used to be very oh man. The first time that I drilled into my workbench top, I was like, oh my God. Now I write on my workbench. I mean, I just do everything on it. It's like chainsaw turn chainsaws apart on the workbench. My, my youngest son is three, and his favorite thing to do is to come in here, climbs up on my sawhorse next to me, or my sawbench next to me, and says, Daddy, why you write on table? Because he sees all my scribbles all over the table, and he knows you're not supposed to write on a table. And it's trying right. to explain to him, buddy, this is my workbench. If I have to jot a note down, this is where I do it. Yeah. But so I guess I, yeah, and I've always liked the idea of putting some form of finish whether it is just a paste wax or a oil finish it could be linseed oil it could be wax it could be danish oil tongue oil something to protect it however i i am guilty of just writing on my bench and i know chris is too i've seen chris do it yeah uh, i mean he always has a pad of paper on his bench but if he needs something i've watched him scribble on his bench before so sure. it's like you know what Yeah, Not a big deal. When I, when I surface it the next time in 18 years, when I surface my bench, they'll go away. I'll take it off. Yeah. So, but I don't know, you know, one thing that I did think about, um, and this, this actually stemmed from our, our friend, Matt Cremona up in Minneapolis, he's now starting to work on workbench kits where he is custom sawing Rubo workbench kits. Right. Um, So he's basically getting large logs, quarter sawing two bench tops out of a log. Uh, And then so his kit basically is the legs, the leg stock, the uh, apron or stretcher stock, and then the bench tops. and he's sending them out for a vacuum kiln drying. And they're they're gonna be pricey. Uh I mean you there's a lot that goes into sawing a log that large, and you have to find logs that large to to get them and then you have to pay to have them kiln dried. Yeah. Um and I thought about going that route, not necessarily buying one um from Matt. Sorry, Matt, but uh sawing my own. But just I'm I'm a little afraid of movement. Yeah. Now, if it's kiln-dried, it'll be fine. Um, I don't have access to a vacuum kiln. So, you know, it's, and, and actually the guy that I bought my, um, my spalted, uh, my spalted apron stock from, um, my spalted box apron from, he had, he was doing the same thing. Uh, he was out like in Adair, Dell, uh, somewhere uh, west of Des Moines. And he had some really big elm slabs that were like four inches thick that he was in the process of working on a bench top four, um, which I thought was, was interesting at the time. And now I'm seeing people kind of starting starting to do that. And it's interesting. It's just I'm afraid of the movement. Um, yeah. I've never had to flat in my bench. You know, I don't, I, I understand that most people want a bench as flat as they can get it because it's a reference surface. However, I know my first couple workbenches I had weren't flat. Yeah. I know there's workbenches we have that are not flat. You right. know. So is it that big a deal? Mm, yes and no. Yeah. But I'm not using my I'm not I'm not using my workbench to flatten and prep stock by hand. I'm getting my
2: flat stock from other tools. So Yeah. That's that's what a table saw top is for. That's right, glue <laughs> right. up, up assemblies, and yes, nice and flat,
1: yes. Oh, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, the one thing that I have thought about is I would like to specifically, and Phil, I think you have this in your shop. You have a light right above your workbench, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, mine are not right above my workbench, mine are. Uh, basically flush with the back edge and flush with the front edge of the bench. I mean, it's well lit enough, um, but I would like to maybe move a light to get some light right above my bench. It'd probably be easier to just move the bench, but, um, you know, it would be nice to have that light right above the
0: bench. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think part of the thing about talking about benches too is that if you and this is a lot of things with woodworking with building projects is that it's fun to think about all the possibilities until you actually start doing it. And then you have to yeah. make deliberate choices. Well,
1: yeah. And I guess that's where I think a lot of people, I think that's why that it's such a hot topic with woodworkers is what bench should I build? I mean, you don't really know until you build one and use it and decide right. if you like it or not. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's like, unless you have the opportunity to go work on somebody's uh you know scandinavian style bench or nicholson bench or rubo or you know what are i mean yeah those benches are just styles i mean but work if you have the opportunity to work on them and figure out what you like and don't like great but be aware that you're probably going to build a bench if you're going to build a bench and you'll find stuff that you don't like about it yeah not that big a deal yeah so i don't know so I know Phil's bench, supposedly when he's done with it, we're going to have a bonfire at my house. <laughs> with it. Do you think it's worth selling a bench? Like, I think, I mean, my bench
0: is well built. It's heavy. Yeah. I, I think I could probably sell it. Yeah, I think at your bench probably mine looks a little tough for the wear. I don't sure. know what, I guess I'd debate as to whether. What I would get for it, other than garage sale prices?
1: Well, yeah, is and see, that's it the thing with it If I'm
0: going to get yeah. 28 bucks out of it, you know,
1: yeah, well, and that's, I mean, the thing of mine, like, I might be able to get, you know, a couple hundred bucks out of it. um Just somebody that is serious enough about woodworking that they know they need a bench, but they don't want to take the time or the the investment to build one from scratch. Yeah. Um my my leg vise is it needs i i've decided i do not like the peg style leg vise so i have a pin that i have to replace um i don't like that it takes i don't change it half the time so that thing gets levered around pretty hard when i'm gripping stuff from eight inches wide to you know three quarters inch wide but um you know yeah it's not the greatest bench in the it's not the greatest uh looking bench in the world but it works For what I need it for, but yeah, I think. Sadly, sometime this year, a new bench will come to fruition. If I can convince everybody to let me do it on video, then it actually has to get done. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I do have the bench crafted crisscross sitting in the back room right now that I just, I feel like I need to use, but I feel like it, that means I need to buy all other bench, bench crafted hardware to do it, which is not cheap.
0: Yeah. Well, and see, Chris did a prototype on a wood threading kit yeah. years ago. And I have in my office here, mm-hmm. a wood thread you know, pretty big would screw with a hub and a nut for it. So yeah. if I wanted to, I could do a leg vice with it, but I just don't know if I want to do go the leg vice route. I don't.
1: Yeah. I just don't. Well, know what you know to say. like I, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I feel like I should just buy another Wilton and stick that on the bench cuz that's my new favorite woodworking vice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then there's no problem. We just use that yeah. for everything. Yeah. And see, so, I have a I have a Wilton quick-release bolt-on face vise on my bench that I put a, a wood yeah. jaw on, and I love it. it I love the yeah. quick-release action of it. It grips everything that I need it to. I don't have a tail vise. I used to have that Wilton on the end of my bench when I originally built it and had mm-hmm. the twin screw, and then I used that as the... Because I remember reading that somewhere about using a bolt-on face vise as a tail vise. Yep. The only problem is, is when you tighten that up, those style of vices will want to cock up a little bit, yes. so your workpiece raises up off the bench, and I had a hard time keeping stock or workpieces down on the bench where it was secure, where it wouldn't shift around. Sure. So, and ha- not having an end device or a vice or tail vise, I don't really miss it. Yeah.
1: You know, I have that problem with mine, too. Uh, mine's just one of the... Oh, God. It's like the the Lee Valley cheap green powder-coated um, tail vise. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like screws. Made, made in Eastern Europe somewhere. Exactly. And it works okay. But my wagon sliding block thing that I have in there, same thing. It cocks up a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I need something different um i just don't know what it is Uh, i will say i have seen i've seen a couple uh woodworkers whom i respect highly uh they have the emerson like pattern maker vices oh yeah yeah the Emmert yeah yeah Emmert yeah i There was one that popped up for sale around here a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I actually asked her old editor Vince about it. I was like, hey, do you know anything about these? He's like, ah, not not a ton. He's like, I know they're expensive. Uh and I think they had like three or four hundred bucks on it. Um, and I, I wish I would have grabbed it because everybody that says they have one, that's the only vice they will have now. Oh, really? Is a pattern maker vice. Yeah. And I think somebody makes makes a reproduction of them. Uh I don't know who uh Wood River has one, I guess. Hmm. Um but yeah, and actually Helen Woodworking has has a couple. Um so I don't know. I I guess that's an option. That's always an option. Um maybe if I make my bench a workaround bench, meaning you can work around all sides of it. Like we, we kind of did that. Fill with the one that we use as editors. We yeah. put two vices on it, so there's yeah. a vice on one side for you, one side for me, um, or whoever's working there. So two people can be working at the same time. Right. I always liked the idea of being able to push push the the bench up against the wall. Um, and actually, that's how almost everybody's bench is in our shop, except marks. Right. Yeah. Um, Steve's is pushed up against the wall although he doesn't use his bench a ton yeah um, Chris's is pushed up against the wall Dylan's was yeah um, now his is kind of out in space yeah but I do like being able to work around it so maybe that's a, a possibility of adding a, like a pattern maker vice on the back side of it yeah. Um, I just know that some of those, you have to have large swing capacity to to tilt the vice in and out from underneath the bench. So yeah. I feel like that would need to be a decision that would be made up front as as I would be building a bench. So yeah. all things to think about. Mm-hmm. Or we just go the, the new Chris Wars route and get a Roman bench, which is basically just a slab of wood with four staked legs. See, mm-hmm. there you go. And you sit on it. No, thanks.
0: Not my bench. Yeah. John, you got anything else you want to add?
2: Nope, I think you guys covered it. I'm just excited to see what you come up with.
0: See, and if we do it on video, then I can build it here, still have Mm -hmm. my bench at home and not be benchless in the intermediate. Or if I was trying to build it at home, then it's like I have a bench, building a bench, and now there's no room in my workshop.
1: Yeah. You don't want to be benchless. No. Or is benchless the new
0: cool? <laughs> I will say my new bench will be a little bit taller than what the current okay. one is. And I want to have it tall enough cuz uh I have a pair of stackable sawhorses that was a shop notes plan and right my idea was is that I would could tuck those underneath the overhang of my bench when I'm not using them. However, the saw horses stacked are like an inch too tall. So they don't stack underneath or they don't yeah. slide underneath. And I would want to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I do like, I have an overhang on both ends of my bench and that's where my saw benches live. Right. Which is nice to be able to yeah. throw them under there, slide them out when I need them. Um, so that is, yeah, that is another feature I would like to keep, keep all of so.
0: All right. So that's what we're doing in the new year. Somewhere in there, two new benches, similar and yet vastly different. Yep. Okay. Happy new year, everybody. Thanks for listening to the shop notes podcast. Uh, Like we've talked about, we broadcast the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel, so you can check us out there. It's also a great place if you wanna leave any questions, comments, or smart remarks. You can also email us, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, and check out the show notes page for any references that we've made to specific things and some extra photos and materials. That's on our website, woodsmith.com slash podcast. Hope you enjoy your New Year's Day, and here's to a much better 2021. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.
1: This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects, and jigs, and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.